Welcome to Building the Future, hosted by Kevin Horick. With millions of listeners a month, Building the Future has quickly become one of the fastest rising programs with a focus on interviewing startups, entrepreneurs, investors, CEOs, and more. The radio and TV show airs in 15 markets across the globe, including Silicon Valley. For full showtimes, past episodes, or to sponsor the show, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com. Today's show is brought to you by the award-winning NordVPN. I've been using Nord for years now because it secures my internet traffic and keeps my data private, especially when traveling or on public Wi-Fi. NordVPN has servers in 60 countries, does not log your data, unlocks Netflix and other geographic restrictions on entertainment content, and has a 30-day money-back guarantee. To get the best deal on a subscription, please visit buildingthefutureshow.com slash NordVPN or use the promo code BT future. Welcome back to the show. Today we have Sean McAllister. He's the CTO of Solace. Sean, welcome to the show. Hi, Kevin. Yeah, thanks. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on the show. I think what you guys are doing is very, very innovative and cool. But maybe before we get into that, let's get to know you a little bit better and start off with where you grew up. Okay. No, that sounds good. Um, so I grew up in a small town uh, near Ottawa, um, Canada. I'm okay, Canadian, great. eh? And uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, grew up in a small town where, interestingly enough, my, my father was a math teacher, and then he was the principal at my high school by the time I got there. So I was, uh, needless to say, very good, well-behaved, I should say, in high school. And uh, and uh, and you know, I got interested in uh, in software and writing programs and things like that in high school. I wrote a Donkey Kong game, which at fourteen was fantastic. Now very it's cool. pretty pathetic, frankly. But are you Donkey Kong fan? Did sure, of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, so I did that. And, uh, and then my, my father actually got me more into this because he really supported this. And, and he would do these, this, this scheduling of students and rooms and teachers and all kinds of stuff on these massive whiteboards. And he asked me if I could write a program to do that and simplify it. And so that yeah. is the next thing that kind of kicked off my interest uh, in software and programming. And uh, yeah, and, and from luckily for me in high school, I kind of figured out what I wanted to do. Nice. So you went to university. What did what did you take and why? You kind of just said it, but yeah. So I, I went to uh, I went to the University of Waterloo and I took computer science okay. uh, and I did a double major in computer science and then combinatorics and optimization because uh, it wasn't just enough to do one. And uh, the beautiful thing about Waterloo is is uh, it has a co op program. And so you are an internship like thing. And, and so during the course of course of your career, you could work for six different companies wow. and kind of figure out, yeah, it's great. So you could, you know, work for big companies, small companies, embedded companies, applications, governments. Um, yeah. And so it really helped me, I think, figure out what I uh, was interested in and the types of companies I wanted to work for. So it was great. No, very cool. So you get out of university, walk me through your career um, how did you, and then how did you get to Solace? And then we'll, we'll go from there. All right. Yes, it was, uh, it was an interesting path. Um, so one of my co-op work terms, actually, I worked at uh, Bell Northern Research, which then was Northern Telecom. Cool. And I got very interested in, uh, in networking. 
technologies, okay. hardware, protocols, you know, internet type stuff. And, um, and then from there, uh, after I graduated, I worked for a consulting company where we built something for the Canadian RCMP, which is kind of like uh, the American FBI, I guess, to some degree, sure. where we built um, the ability for, at the time, which was, which was pretty innovative, where you could have a terminal in a police car and you could enter a license plate number and then you could, uh, you know, a driver's, uh, a driver's license and you could figure out if the car was stolen or, um, you know, if the, uh, if the person was a bad guy or uh, uh, something like that. And messaging, yeah, so... I, we could enter your name into that and see what we find out about you there, Kevin. I'm sure it's not true. But, uh, but yeah, so this one was like a mission critical system because you have a police officer sure. sitting by the side of the road, you know, entering something, you know, some, some data. And you had to figure out very quickly where to route that to different ministries and and uh, so I did that. And then, um, uh, again, this was all kind of real-time communication. And I went from there to a company called Newbridge Networks. And um, there I worked on embedded networking equipment, which is perhaps different than, you know, what, what some of the other people who came up through the, the pure software world, but, you know, built uh, ATM switches or asynchronous transfer mode switches. And then Newbridge was bought by Alcatel, and then we bought an IP router startup company, and I started to uh, to do that. And so I, I led the first engineering team here in Ottawa to work on um, on the IP router product and take on Cisco wow. at the time. And so yeah, so that was that was super interesting, um, very mainstream, and um, you know with a variety of different hardware, software, routing protocols, transmission protocols. Um, all, all very interesting, and um, and so then uh, you know a bunch of my friends from Newbridge had gone to this company called Solace, and uh, the CEO phoned me up one day and uh, was telling me about the things that they were doing. They were maybe a year or two old, um, and I wasn't all that interested at the time because I was having a good time. I'm working with, uh, you know, the team in California, building this IP router, doing all kinds of things where we're going to, like I say, take on Cisco. That was all very neat. Sure. And um, yeah, and so then I wasn't interested. And uh, so the CEO kept phoning me back every month. And uh, after about a year, I said, oh, it looks like you guys are doing some very interesting uh, work. So I decided to uh, join Solace. Interesting. And so, yeah. Very yeah. cool. So you've been there quite a while now. Walk us through your journey there and the company's journey, because what you guys were when you got there is quite different than where you guys are now. Yes, it's uh, it, it's different in many respects, similar in many respects. And I think for perhaps people listening in, you know, who have been in small companies that have, you know, had a journey through technology changes and market changes, you know, maybe some of this will resonate with you. Um, but yeah, it's been, it's been quite an interesting ride. Maybe a little bit about, about what we do at, sure. uh, at Solace to kind of help, you know, help people uh, understand where we fit. So today we build an event streaming platform that connects uh, applications and people and things like IoT things in real time, no matter where these applications live, whether it's on premise or in a private cloud or in a public cloud or IoT devices in a factory or sensors anywhere. 
And uh, we connect all of these things together and allow events that are produced in one place in your organization to be consumed by some other application in another part of your organization. So you could produce events from your order management system on-prem and receive them in a machine learning application in the cloud or an event from an IoT device uh, and put that into a data lake um, you know, in a different cloud, for example, all in real time. So yeah, so you think about it uh, like the, the internet of events for your enterprise, right? You know how you can click on, uh, you know, enter uh, a URL in your browser and poof, you get to whatever website you want. So within your enterprise, any event that gets produced anywhere uh, from any device in any application should be able to be consumed anywhere else. Very cool. And so, yeah, so that's what we do now. Uh, but and and we've been lucky that the uh, you know a, a lot of a lot of things in the world uh, you know moved more towards what we do today. But but when we started, what we actually uh, started to do as a, as a company was we were targeting what was called the middleware uh, messaging space. Okay. And, um, you know, and, so, and that was from, you know, dominated at the time by companies like IBM in the commercial space and Tibco in the high performance space. And, um, and they kind of owned that market. And as I think what a lot of entrepreneurs try to do is we kind of tried to come in with a, you know, some kind of an unfair disruptive advantage and what we decided to do was to apply networking technology, right, from the, you know, the kind of Newbridge style networking companies that I and others of us work for. And we built a hardware appliance using FPGAs and network processors to be able to, yeah, so it was like, you know, it was, it was bringing to the application space a networking uh, view of a solution to that problem, right. if you will. That makes sense. Yeah, no, totally. That and well, and you guys were really early on doing that because what what this was about early two thousands. Is that correct? Yeah, this was like uh, fifteen years ago. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. Right. And so that's at the time where you know um, you know one of the first places that we targeted was was Wall Street, right? Wow. So that was at the time where, if you remember, kind of the the race to zero latency and program trading mm -hmm. and um, all these big hedge funds making all this money because they could do electronic trading and things like that. And it was driving more and more data, more and more volume. Latency or reducing latency was, was so important, right? Because if you saw the price of a stock and you couldn't react in time to buy it or sell it, then, you know, you couldn't make money. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Yeah. So hardware was a massive differentiator there. And we all, we talked about it as kind of bringing a, a, a missile to a knife fight actually, sure. because, uh, because the, you know, that just the difference in what you can do with hardware compared to software was, uh, you know, is massive. Sure. So how have you yeah. guys transitioned into what you do now? Because you quickly covered it, but I, but I think, how did you go from being a strictly hardware company to moving into the cloud and adopting um, all, all the stuff you're doing now? Yeah, good question. Um, so, you know, as, as we went through and targeted high-performance applications, like in capital markets and gaming and telco, um, we could see many years ago the cloud becoming so important, right? So a shift to the cloud. 
Um, and, and a few things related to that. So shift to the cloud, devices that were going to be connected, people talking about, you know, analytics on data, things that we know today um, are, are kind of obvious today that weren't so obvious back then. And um, what's interesting, I think, about our path is that, um, you know, have you read, have you read The Innovator's Dilemma? The yeah, book by Clay totally. Christensen? Yeah. Great book. So, yeah, it's a great book, and uh, I would highly suggest that as a as a read for anybody in the technology field. Um, the, the brief summary being that it talks about how great companies who produce good products, who listen to their customers and do what they need, who are well-managed, go out of business because of some disruptive technology, effectively. And so it talks about how the makers of mainframe disks uh, who dominated there were put out of business by those who made disks for mini computers, and they were put out of business by people who made disks for PCs and then flash drives, effectively. Um, and what's interesting, and I think a lot of people will have lived this perhaps in, um, you know, in their own careers, but you know, we found ourselves being in a situation where we were creating hardware appliances in a, in a world where cloud was going to become very important. Sure. And Right. And so on the one hand, you know, you could go, oh, that's really scary. That's really bad for you guys. I mean, we saw it very much as, a, as an opportunity, actually, because we never defined ourselves as a hardware company. Right. So we Smart, had always actually. viewed ourselves. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. And, and I, I think that, you know, as you may have experienced, you know, technology is a point in time totally. only because technology evolves. Right. Um, look at Kodak, various other you know, great companies that were superseded by other technologies. And, um, and so we'd always viewed ourselves as wanting to help companies, you know, move real-time data. Or what, what we now say is we would now say help uh, companies become event-driven. And I can talk about the whole move to being event-driven and event streaming sure. in a second. Sure. Um, but yeah, so we faced our... Uh, innovators dilemma moment. I remember one time as we saw the cloud, uh, uh, you know, and software becoming more prominent and, uh, you know, had a, a discussion. We had this annual review with the CTO of one of the banks who was a big customer of ours. And I was so excited because we had started to create the software version of our hardware appliance and we had a vision of going to the cloud. And so we have to have these annual reviews with some of our clients to explain where we're going and, and, and what we're doing from a strategy point of view. And I explained to him how, you know, we're building a software version and then that'll help him be cloud enabled. Um, and can you guess what his reaction was? He probably hated it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, right. And this is the classic innovative summit. He said, you know what? I run my business on you guys. You build a very solid hardware appliance. That's what I need you to do. You should keep doing that. And, uh, you know, of course, we didn't stop building hardware appliances. But sure. obviously, if we had not moved on and, you know, embraced the cloud and used it as an seen it as an opportunity and seized it, um, yeah, it wouldn't have been so good for us. So that was our innovator's dilemma moment. So how did um, you, though, keep yeah. up with the hardware side while building uh, basically a new business vertical because it's a lot of work to kind of run two verticals that are almost competing. Sure. They probably integrate, but they're kind of competing with each other. At least you're trying to compete with yourself instead of somebody else. Right. 
Yes, and and that is an excellent question on on a few fronts, right? One is, um, you know, to exactly your point of how did you go about doing it? Because, um, you know, it's not like our engineers were sitting around with their feet up um, while we had our hardware appliance, right? We had lots of things to do there. So we were fortunate enough that at the time, um, we found uh, some additional investors who truly believed in our vision in the company, who uh, gave us more funding to be able to execute first on the software and then on the cloud, um, on our cloud aspirations. Um, And so we really, I think, as a a company, we had to go, okay, this is not incremental, what we want to do here, exactly to your point, right? This is something new. It requires new skills and new focus. And so we have to uh, be mature about it and, you know, find somebody who also believes to fund it appropriately. And that was one thing. And then the other thing, which I'm sure people experience is, you know, the, 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 the cultural shift within the company of going from selling, uh, hardware to selling a solution that could be hardware or software or cloud. Sure. Well, I and, mean, you know, choosing the, I, yeah. No, I was going to say, I, I think it, it might sound bad, but a lot of people don't really necessarily care how it's done. They just want mm-hmm. what they want to happen when they click a button or try to run a report or pull data. They just want it to work. If there's some magical hardware box in their office or at somewhere else, or it's a piece of software in the background or it's in the cloud or all those combined, they just wanted to work on their devices. Is that fair to say? That, that is true. And I, I would say more so is, is they, they don't really care how it's done, but they, they want to have, you know, future proofing, if you will. Yeah. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Right. So, so we had situations, honestly, where we sold hardware appliances to clients because we gave them the certainty that they could extend their applications into the public cloud or into their uh, private okay. cloud in a seamless way, just like the internet and IP that can go anywhere. Interesting. And so, and so to your point, yeah, they don't care how it happens, but they want you know, a roadmap or a vision that aligns with where their uh, technology roadmap is going. And, you know, because we were able to do that, um, it really facilitated, uh, you know, uh, the furthering of, of various customer engagements that we had because of that, even if they weren't ready for the cloud at the time. Sure. And actually, that's really smart because the biggest problem I think a lot of companies face, big, small, or everywhere in between, is they buy this piece of software or hardware or something and they're tied to it for decades and it becomes archaic at some point in its life cycle. But if you guys say, okay, today you're not ready for the software part or the cloud part or both, use our hardware for a while and then in two or three years or whatever that time frame is, we can move you to the software solution and into the cloud or both or maybe it's all three for a few more years and then as we transition the hardware piece out, right? Where I find some clients they're tied to a piece of software for decades and because they spent so much money on it. Right. And there's no way to get data in or out. And it's just the sad reality. So it's very cool that you guys saw early on, like how, and how you guys structured your business. So it's like, look, we'll grow with you. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that, that was a very conscious decision. You're exactly right. Um, because you've seen, exactly other situations where people get married to a technology and it becomes a, you know, a bit of a boat anchor to the enterprise and their cool. ability to innovate. Um, 
And then it also means that as they move to the next generation of technology, they, they have to get out of that investment, right? Whereas totally. for us, we'd rather just grow with them. And we've always believed that, you know, effectively hybrid cloud um, and even multi-cloud is an end state for many enterprises. We have clients today who still use, you know, mainframes to run their business, but it's very difficult to be innovative and agile on a mainframe. <laughs> so you need to have a way to do that. So, okay, no, interesting. I 100% agree. So, so how do you guys leverage your event mesh and what you guys are doing today to still be able to let a business use their mainframe, run the software on their computers, also connect to the cloud and some device that nobody's ever heard of because it's getting announced in six months from now? <laughs> that is a great question. Yeah, because a, a lot of, so if we start off um, at, at the beginning of what you were saying, where large enterprises today have, they have IT assets that run their business, right? So they have SAP systems, they have mainframes, they have systems that they have invested a considerable amount of money in, um, you know, to run their business. And they can't just throw that away. In some cases, they want to run it for a long time or they want a multi-year migration period. By the same token, they want to take advantage of cloud-based technology of SaaS applications. And their businesses now more and more are telling them to become real-time. Right, so this thing about inventory updates every week or one, you know, at night, sure. things like that, they, they just don't cut it anymore, right? Yep. So, so, so the journey that we take clients on is, um, is to in event, event enable their existing systems. So whether they're mainframes or their SAP systems. And, and by, what, by that, what I mean is as things change in those systems of record, emit an event into what we call an event mesh so that those events can be consumed anywhere else in your enterprise. So I'll give you an example. Um, you, know, uh, it, it, you know, as you move from having a customer record in one place to having it in Salesforce and ServiceNow and Workday for different reasons, for example, or, or employee records, sure. as something changes maybe in your main SAP HR system, you want to integrate that into all these other systems and you don't want it to just show up, you know, the next day you want it to happen in real time. So the first thing you do is, is cause the changes in your existing systems of record to be emitted as an event into, as I say, what we call an event mesh, where an event mesh allows events to be consumed anywhere else in your enterprise. So think of it as the, the internet of events for your enterprise. Okay. Very cool. Actually. Yeah, and that's what gives us the ability to have or the, the desire to have hardware, let's say for on-prem, software maybe in your private cloud, and then our SaaS solution in the public cloud. And you connect them all together. And um, as is our networking heritage, we run routing protocols uh, that then allow us to know which applications are interested in which events. And so we can write them to the right okay. place. Okay, so because potentially I make an update and between what I have, say I'm on, say I'm traveling, I'm in another country from headquarters for, for simplicity's sake. Basically, if I make a change, it goes, obviously, I want to go back to the people at headquarters. I also want it to go to everybody else that's remote and, and potentially some other third-party software that we integrate and pay with. Is that fair to say? Like basically instantly? Exactly. 
exactly. Very cool. And I'll give you, you know, give me an, an example of, um, you know, in, in kind of this more modern world, back to your point about integrating new and old systems, I'd say, and, and I think it comes down to two things. One is making events available in real time, first of all. Sure. Second of all, making it available to anyone else in the organization who needs it. Right. And so a classic example, let's say in airlines, everybody's been on a plane, yep. right? And, uh, and Kevin, you've probably been on planes where, you know, you're sitting there and 20 people have boarded the plane. There's 300 people on the plane. Yep. The board yep. says you're leaving in 10 minutes and you're like, there's no way we're leaving in 10 minutes. Yep. Right. <laughs> and, and so, you know, so, and, and so now the, uh, the, this you know, airline company, for example, that we deal with, they're going, okay, if I could have every boarding pass scan available in real time to anybody who needs it, here's what I can do. The fact that there are only 20 people boarded out of 300 could be being monitored in real time by a machine learning application who would then predict when the plane is going to push back from the gate uh, based on current loading rates. Yeah. And it could give up its spot on the runway, book a new spot on the runway, so that when you push back from the plane, you don't sit on the tarmac for 20 minutes waiting for a spot. Like, how annoying is that? Totally, right? yeah. But then also, the baggage crew who are loading luggage in, they're obviously not making it to their next plane on time. So the baggage scheduling team could then know what the new departure time is going to be and schedule a different crew to go out to load the luggage on the next plane. Right? No, oh, totally, right? Because you, one little misstep can set off a whole chain reaction of everybody's delayed, right? But if you just yeah, move things exactly. around, you could basically catch up and, and you're constantly optimizing whatever you're doing. And in, in your case, this is just like an airline at an airport or an airplane at an airport and, and all the other airports that that plane maybe has to go to that day. You can optimize in every... Just like live, which is very cool that we can do that nowadays, or and that you guys can do that. Yeah, yeah. And so, so many businesses are becoming, you know, like that, where they can take advantage of events if they know about them in real time, right? Like, the, like you know, with the time value of money, or the, you know, you can buy more with a dollar today than you can buy in a year from now, and that's true of events as well. Knowing events about events when they happen is more valuable to a business than knowing about them tomorrow or in a week. Sure. Today's show is brought to you by FreshBooks, an all-in-one small business invoicing and accounting solution. I've been using FreshBooks for over a decade to send estimates for time and expense tracking, sending invoices, and collecting payments online. Then at tax time, I just generate a report that can be sent off to an accountant. To get a free trial of FreshBooks, please go to buildingthefutureshow.com slash FreshBooks. So how does security and governance play into all this? Because I'm sure, obviously, that's super important to, <laughs> to enterprise. Well, any business, really, and yeah. even personally to a lot of people. Oh, absolutely. No, absolutely. And, and, and you touched on an excellent point because, you know, if I say, hey, just make all this information available in real time to whoever wants it, that's a pretty scary thing for <laughs> chief digital officers yeah. and a whole bunch of people. People who, uh, you know, for GDPR and privacy reasons, and absolutely, absolutely sure. true. The lawyers um, love and, it when you so, just give your data away. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Just uh, turn that coin machine. <laughs> yeah, and so this is where you ha you certainly have to, to, to ensure proper access 
to information, right? And so in, in, in our case, um, our event mesh has the ability to apply access controls at the edge. And so every application that connects into this event mesh, first of all, authenticates with the event mesh. So we know who that application is. And then that application then has pre-configured strict guidelines on what type of information it can consume, but also right. what information it can produce, right? Like if I'm not, uh, you know, I, I shouldn't, for example, my car should not be able to say, send up information saying, oh, Kevin's car is, you know, it, it, you know, is about to break down or the engine's overheating or something like that, right? right. Um, and so you have to ensure that, that, um, that there's no impersonations as well. And so the other thing that we that we have done, um, so that's kind of from a physical access to data point of view. And there's a whole bunch of other things about, you know, encrypting data at rest and things like that that we do. Um, but also now what enterprises are getting very interested in is that, you know, they have to be able to account for which systems have access to what type of data. Right. And so very much now what we see with our clients is clients interested in, in data lineage and data governance, like what systems have access to a certain piece of information and they need to be able to just know instantly. And, um, and so what, in addition to the data movement portion of what we have created in our platform, we also have what we call an event portal, which okay. is kind of like an API portal for those familiar with API management systems. Right. And what it does is it gives you a management system that tracks um, what information uh, is produced or consumed by any of the applications on the event mesh. And then you can feed that into enterprise uh, event or data lineage and governance tools so that you can see throughout your enterprise what data is being accessed where, which is very important for some regulatory, uh, you know, various regulatory regimes, for example. And then how does it, how does it play into, do I get to basically pick where I want my data stored? Because if I have a global sales team, for example, and they're constantly traveling, they probably want to pull the data or whatever they're trying to get from the closest server location or cloud hosting because it's the fastest but how do you guys kind of manage that or or as a internal IT kind of CTO type person how do I decide where my data gets stored am I allowed to pick that or or how does that work yes yeah you would you would typically choose where you want your data stored and then you know, through the, the magic of the internet, you can access it from wherever you happen to be. Okay. And so, you know, because what we have to do is we want to, we need to provide a quality of service that allows, for example, um, uh, events to be stored even if you're not online. So if you're not connected. Uh, okay, sure. Right, so we have to store them somewhere and then, you know, whenever you pop up and you're ready to, to consume them, um, then you can, you know, connect to where you would normally connect independent of where you are okay. and uh, consume them. Right? And so in, kind of... uh, exactly, okay. exactly. So we have, you know, a connected vehicle type use cases where they download parameters, like, you know, obviously vehicles are constantly bringing, uh, pushing telemetry up and they're typically always connected because you want them connected so that even if the car is turned off, you can, if you forget to, that you may have locked the door, you may not have locked your doors. You can send it a command from your mobile phone to lock your doors 
And so it always has to be connected. Um, but then also you go into a tunnel or something like that and you can disconnect and, you know, you need to make sure that information sent to that vehicle is not lost. Right. Yeah. There's so many like little edge case scenarios that you guys got to worry about that the user probably doesn't even think about, but they need that live live data the second they reconnect, even if they're only disconnected for 30 seconds, right? A bunch could happen in that period of time. Yeah. Interesting. That's right. Yeah. And to your point, applications or people shouldn't have to worry about the data getting there. That that is that's supposed to be somebody else's job, and that's what that's what the event match does, so that apps don't have to worry about that. Okay, no, that that makes a lot of sense. And actually, it's a really good transition into my next point: is how do you guys, or what's your advice around performance around this stuff? Because so many people care about having like a pretty interface, but if it takes two and a half minutes for a piece of data to sync and and pull and come up on my tablet or phone or desktop or whatever, obviously that's a terrible experience. So how do you guys mm-hmm. handle performance and, and what are your recommendations around uh, performance? Yeah, then that's that's a good question. And and really the the answer spans a huge spectrum okay. of uh, customers of ours who, you know, coming back to our roots in capital markets, who literally need millions of messages per second at microsecond latency, right. it's that important, where we have a hardware solution for them, because okay. hardware is best for that kind of a problem. And then you have other situations, you know, to the to the example that, that you were giving, which are things moving, you know, in, in the order of sub second, for example, but where there may be huge bursts of traffic. Um, and so we need to be able to scale to manage that. And, and so in many of our deployments there, people will use our, our cloud-based service, which is, which is quite elastic and can be okay. scaled based on demand and need, right? We have a client of ours. Uh, here's an example. We have a client of ours who uh, does a horse race betting, and, um, and that's what they provide. And, and so you think about that when there's no race going on, there are no mobile apps connected because nobody cares, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, but as it gets closer to race time and, you know, people obviously try to wait till the end because you don't know, you want to see how the horse is feeling or whether he winks at somebody on the way by or whatever the superstitions are, right? Um, uh, but, you know, you, 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 people literally start to walk, look at the odds only a few minutes or, you know, tens of minutes maybe before the race. But then as they do that, they kind of all connect, uh, you know, fairly quickly. And then the distribution of odds out to those mobile apps, the, the load increases more and more and more. And there's an example of where you're saying where I can't get, if, you know, if I put an odd, you know, some odds on your app, now and their odds from a minute ago that's not very good uh, information for you to make a bet on right you know and so so in our cloud technology we use a lot of scale out capabilities and monitoring for performance and things like that to know uh to, to know to do that so they you're basically your cloud and and services can basically go from zero to thousands or millions of users almost instantly without any worry like it just happens basically yeah based on based on demand yeah yep interesting That's the nice thing about you know cloud-based services and then 
you know, obviously from a cost efficiency point of view, after the race is over, you can contract all that infrastructure and um, you're not paying anything. Just beautiful part of cloud is that, that elastic capability. As long as your infrastructure, like ours, when we built our software, we specifically made it cloud native, right, for exactly these purposes. Right. Yeah. Okay. No. And then obviously you could have it automatically just scale back down to a handful of users or a few thousand users. If you're up in the millions, it just goes back down. And then when the next race comes up, probably your traffic is going to spike again and then it goes back down. Yeah, that's interesting. That's cool that you guys can do that basically live on the fly globally. <clears throat> on a per customer basis. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Sure. That makes sense. So yeah, exactly. I'm curious, maybe... Do you want to give some other examples? You don't have to give client names or anything, but some other examples of industries using your technology and, and kind of similar to what you just did with the horse racing company, like how they leverage what you guys are doing. Because I, I think it's giving actual examples really gets people understanding how you guys can do some of this stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that would be, uh, you know, that'd be great. So, um uh, here's another, yet another example, uh, locked in the IOT space, right? Okay. But, um, for example, we have a client of ours that connects their elevators and their escalators to, um, uh, to, uh, their main cloud application. And this is how they can then sense for, you know, uh, elevations in heat or vibration to do predictive maintenance, okay. um, you know, and, and be able to send crews out in advance. And, uh, and in particular, you can see how the ecosystem is starting to integrate a little bit where they gather this information from the elevators and escalators. And, um, you know, in one of their clients, for example, uh, a hotel chain, then what they used to do is give them a, a dashboard with how well the elevators and escalators are doing. And more and more, what their customers want is not a dashboard with a few select items. They want a real-time feed of information about the behavior of their elevators and escalators so they can create a dashboard for, for their entire building management system that includes HVAC and power and, uh, you know, as well as uh, elevators and escalators. So you're getting into a more integrated real-time ecosystem is right. one of them. So, right. so Another one No, is, sorry. Sorry, oh. I just have a follow-up question to that, just so people understand. Sure. So they basically put little sensors in, in the elevator and on the escalators. Is that fair to say? That's how you basically make something that was b built before the internet to, to mm. basically modernize it to connect? Or, or how does that work? Just so people are clear on that. Yeah. So what they'll do is, um, is they'll install a, a module that is now an intelligent module that connects to the cloud. Okay. And, uh, and, and it then connects the various sense points in the elevators and escalators okay. and uh, aggregates that information, um, you know, and provides kind of a, the, the central point for this. And does things like, you know, if you step into an elevator now and you see a TV screen where they advertise to you while you're in the elevator, you're a captive in that <laughs> elevator, right? Yeah. And so they're going, well, look, how can I monetize the fact that you're captive? I will serve you up some ads. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and so the whole ecosystem becomes like that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Keep going. You had another example to give us. Yeah. And then, um, you know, just back to the, the dissemination of real time information where, um, 
you know, if, if you've flown in the, in the United States, for example, the information that you get about, about flights and their status, right? You can go to Google and find out about your flight. You can use a flight aware app to, uh, you know, to see where your plane actually is versus maybe where they tell you where that is. And so there's an example, I guess, of a, of a real time event distribution system where, um, it, it's data being provided to all kinds of third parties to do all kinds of interesting applications that you can build with that information and create mashups out of that. And we see more and more companies moving towards wanting to obviously sell their data, which is what people have been doing with APIs, right. but now sell it in real time, effectively. No, very cool. Yeah, totally, right? Like you want to know, especially if you're picking somebody up from the airport, like is, did they land? Like where are they actually, Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or I guess yeah, or like exactly. where's your next flight going to be? Yeah, interesting. Very cool. Yeah, you're sitting at the restaurant, you go, do I have time for another beer before I get on the plane, right? Type thing. But uh For sure. Yeah, there's a lot of things you can figure out. No, totally. So, you guys have a ton of resources for developers. I don't really want to go too technical. People like the developers listening can actually go to your site and and have a look, but do you want to just give like a high level overview of, of what you guys actually provide developers? Yeah. Yeah, we'd love to. So solace.com is uh, our main website, but uh, solace.community is where our developer community uh, lives. And if you then, the other thing that developers can do is sign up for our very free cloud service at solace.cloud. And um, you can go there and use a service completely for free and follow our, our samples to build sample apps and uh, understand the technology better. And uh, yeah, just play around with it. Connect, you know, easily from there. You can create mobile apps within HTML5 and connect them over MQTT if you're into IoT and build all kinds of cool cloud-based applications that way. Very cool. No, I, I think it makes sense. Like, and you guys give tons of examples and, and code examples and, and there, there's a bunch of stuff that, that people are interested, if they're interested, they can go play with. So we're kind of coming to the end of the show, but I really want to maybe close. Do you want to give kind of a quick overview again of, of what you guys do just to kind of close out the show and then mention where people can get more information about you guys and, and any other links you want to mention? Sure. So what, what we do is we basically provide uh, uh, an eventing platform that allows applications and people and things in IoT to be connected in real time, no matter where they're located, whether it's in a, in a non-cloud, a private cloud, a public cloud, or on a factory floor, in a car, in a restaurant. And we provide this through something that we call an event mesh that connects all of these devices and, and applications together. And you can find out more about our technology at solace.com and you can sign up to our cloud service at cloud.solace.com. It's completely free. And um, yeah, you can build mobile apps and IoT devices and connect them all together with your cloud apps very, very simply and have them all communicating in real time and and uh, do that in a very very fast uh, very fast way. One final question: What made you guys decide to give this away for free, or, or a version of this away for free? Yeah. So what what 
made us do that is that we think we have great technology and uh, we'd like people to be able to experience it. And so by giving it away for free, people can try it out. And, you know, it, it has certain scale and performance limitations, but it's fully featured. And so you can build, as a developer, you can build all kinds of apps and get going really quickly. And if your app stays small and you want to use it for free, that's great. And then over time, if your business is successful and uh, you want to scale out, um, then we're there to support you. No, that's very cool. I, I think that was key to kind of cover too, right? Is because especially when you're trying to learn a new technology, it sucks if you have to pay huge licensing fees and, and some companies it's tens of thousands of dollars, right? And you're mm-hmm. just like, I'm mm-hmm. not going to bother learning this unless I go work at a company that basically trains me and pays for this. It's just not going to happen, right? And especially when Absolutely. you're trying to learn, right? And And I think that's very cool that you guys are doing that and allowing developers and, and others to get started like that. Yep. No, absolutely. And, and we, we want to help people. We want to help lower the barriers to building real-time event-driven applications and having people learn how to do this. And the more that we can do for developers that they don't have to do themselves so they can focus on building their awesome apps, you know, that, that's, that's what our mission is, is to help developers focus on building apps that differentiate their business, not uh, working on uh, infrastructure and middleware. You know, let us do that for you. Well, and I think that is a lot of, I think people don't realize, like companies like Uber, they really only built maybe 20% of the technology they use. They use tons of third-party layers to actually run their business. Like they use Google Maps, they use a calling service, they use all these different things, right? And so somebody could leverage your guys' technology as much as they want. And it's almost like they, none of their users know that they're leveraging you, but they get to put all their customizations on top of your layer. And therefore, basically getting to leverage your team of, developers and hardware experts and, and and cloud experts right and they basically just get to plug their their pieces in so you could basically have a really small team of people like one two or, or maybe a few more and really have the ability to build these kind of enterprise scale stuff when you leverage uh, a software like you guys is that fair to say yeah that's exactly right yeah because you often find that you need to connect all kinds of different applications, whether it's, you know, a mobile app or it's a SaaS, or you want to push data into machine learning, you want to integrate through an iPad. And so you need a a central nervous system to move all this around that can easily connect into all these applications um, that you know of today and apps that you, you know, will use tomorrow. And having somebody else do that for you is just so much easier because then, like I say, you can go off and, and focus on what makes your business awesome. Sure. Well, and, and uh, you know, well, and keeping them upgraded, right, becomes your problem. Like every year when new technology comes out or there's a new version of technology, it's your guys' problem to keep them updated for, for me and my apps that I'm building on top of you guys. That's right. That's yeah. right. New features that come out that we put in, new applications that you want to connect to, new machine learning apps. Um, yeah, we take care of all of that because, um, you know, that, that's what we focus on. Absolutely. 
Perfect, man. Well, and it takes a lot of effort, more more than you'd think. Oh, is the thing. <laughs> so. I think maintaining some of the old stuff is probably harder than adding new stuff. Is that fair to say? Well, it's at least as hard. Um, I guess the thing is that there's so many new ones coming out all the time that Fair. certainly there's a lot of focus there. But the, yeah, the old stuff is, is quite nuanced, I would say. Yeah. Very cool. But Sean, let's close again with mentioning where people can get more information about you, you guys and uh, any other links. Um, sure. So yeah, they, at solace.com is our main site. And then you can sign up for our free cloud service at cloud.solace.com. And solace.community is where all of our developers hang out and uh, ask each other questions and learn all kinds of tips. And uh, yeah, it's a great place to start. Perfect. And it's S-O-L-A-C-E.com. That's right. Perfect, Sean. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time out of your day to be on the show, and I look forward to keeping in touch with you and have a good rest of your day, man. Well, thanks a lot, Kevin. Thanks. Uh, it was great chatting with you. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at buildingthefutureshow.com to join the free community, sign up for our newsletter, or to sponsor the show. The music is done by Electric Mantra. You can check him out at electricmantra.com and keep building the future.